As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Okay, on this Father's Day, against my better judgment, I'm going to open up with a joke. I don't often do this. This is a joke that was sent to me by a father in our church. And if it isn't any good, don't blame me. So the doctor has a diagnosis for the patient. It's a good news, bad news joke. The doctor says, would you like to hear the good news or the bad news? The patient says, well, I'm kind of a good news person. Well, let's start with the good news. The doctor responds, you only have two days to live. The patient says, well, if that's the good news, what could possibly be the bad news? The doctor responds, I was supposed to tell you yesterday. (laughs) You guys actually like that a little too much. I I thought, I'm like, this is not going to play at all. (laughs) So, okay. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37. We are in a series. I want to welcome you. Happy Father's Day. We're looking at what we're calling heroes, everyday heroes. Last week, we looked at a woman named Deborah, and we talked about heroes being available, willing, and empowered. And we learned that she was empowered to discern. This week, our hero is Joseph. And we're going to cover a lot of chapters of scripture today. Joseph chapters 37 all the way to 50, so get ready to go to work. We're going to put some of the verses on the screen and these kinds of things, but his, he was a hero because he was available, he was willing, and he was empowered to persevere, and he had strength to persevere. So that is the title of the message. I want to give you what I'm calling for good news, bad news principles to persevere. So now do you see the tie-in with the joke? Doesn't make the joke any funnier, but okay, I'm not doing too good here. All right, good. Um, But this is where we're heading. Joseph's life, it was filled with good news and bad news, just like our lives. And God gave him the strength to persevere. So that's what we want to do. Let's start with a brief overview of Joseph's life. The good news, his father loved him. The bad news, his brothers hated him. The good news for Joseph... His father gave him a special coat, which we'll see in a moment. The bad news, his brothers were so jealous they sold him into slavery because of it. The good news, he gained favor with Potiphar. The bad news, Potiphar's wife seduced him. The good news, he was blessed in jail. The bad news, he then was forgotten in jail. This is Joseph's life. Good news, He was finally reunited with his family, the brothers and his father, and those whom he had the issues with. The bad news, it took a really long time and a lot of hard work and a lot of perseverance, which is what we're going to be talking about today, to make that a reality. So without any further ado, if you're a note taker, write down the first principle of good news and bad news when it comes to perseverance. Number one, life isn't always easy, but God is always good. Life isn't easy, life isn't fair. How many would agree? It isn't easy at all, but God is good. 
He's good in the midst of it. And that's what we see in Joseph's life. Let's start in chapter 37, and let me introduce you to him and his family. We'll start in verse 3, which is the good news, kind of, and then verse 4, which is the bad news. It says, now Israel loved Joseph. Israel was Joseph's father, and more than any of his sons, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. There it is. But when his brothers, here's the bad news, saw that their father loved him more than all of them, at least that's what they thought, they hated him and they could not speak peacefully to him. So let me summarize what happens next in chapter 37 in one sentence. Take a look at the screen. Joseph's brothers, they stripped him of his coat, they threw him in a pit and left him for dead, they sold him as a slave to the Ishmaelites. I mean, can it get any worse than that? That's what we see going on in the story of Joseph in his life. But then what happened? Well, Genesis 39, we'll skip there to verses one through four. If you're following along in your Bible, turn your page with me. But then it says this. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, important phrase, and he became a successful man. The text goes on to say, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in the charge of all that he had. Interesting phrase. We're going to see it four times in our verses we're going to look at. The Lord was with them. The Lord was with Joseph in the midst of the downfall. The Lord was with Joseph in the midst of the hurt. The Lord was just jo with, with Joseph in the midst of the pain. He's always there. I mean, can you imagine the reality of this story of what happened, that he was sold into slavery by his brothers? They left him. They left him for nothing to die. And then they felt sorry for him and said, well, let's do this. And this is where he ends up. Backswing thought today. You see it in cards. You See it on plaques when you go into the Christian bookstores, if there's any of those left. You see it everywhere. What do you see? Well, bloom where you're planted. That's the phrase, and it comes out of the life of Joseph, that wherever he was planted, I mean, whether it was in some bad places or not, he bloomed, because the Lord was with him. He recognized it, and he realized it. I love that song that we sing oftentimes, one of the lyrics, we'll put it up on the screen, it's from elevation worship my testimony it says if i'm not dead then you're not done greater things are still to come can i get an amen hey if i'm not dead if i'm in my last breath if i'm in my last place god's not done it ain't over till jesus says it's over love that truth because jesus can breathe life into anything and everything we see him prove it as we walk through the new testament and see him heal people of diseases and even people from the dead that if Jesus doesn't say it's over, it ain't over. And that is the story of Joseph, that it ain't over till God says it's over. God can be glorified in the midst of the pain. A.W. Tozer, a great theologian right here in the Chicagoland area, said it like this. The goodness of God is infinitely more wonderful than anything you will ever comprehend. God's goodness in the midst of the trial. God's goodness in the midst of the pain. Easier said than experienced at times. But God is good when we look with him.
We look for him because he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. He's with us. That's our Lord. That's what we see in Joseph's life and that's what we see with, we can see it in our own lives. Now within this Father's Day message, I'm gonna do something different. Um, what I wanna do is I wanna just share a little of my heart and a little of my story and talk about my dad. And so um, my dad actually, um, he was born during the Great Depression and uh, was a child through that period. When he was nine years old, he sold apples on the street corner. He lost his dad when he was 17 years old when he had just gotten out of high school. My dad, they got me, which I'll say a little bit more about that later, um, when they were a little bit older. But my dad got drafted into World War II. And the only thing that I know about his story when he was in the military was that um, on, when D-Day happened, he was actually stationed in France. And he was part of the group that was there. And they received, if you can believe this, they, all the stuff that came back from D-Day. And they had to inventory it and go through it and, and to deal with all of that. My dad, after the war, he went, um, uh, it was in Cleveland, Ohio, and he actually met my mom at a SNPJ dance. And so you say, what does SNPJ stand for? Slovenian National Society. The P actually is a little bit messed up because it's Slovenian National Blessing Society. I guess in Slovenian, it's a different word or something like that. But they met and they got married and they wanted to have kids, but they couldn't have kids. And I'll say a little bit more about that in a moment, but they couldn't, and so they wound up adopting. And so during, um, with my parents, my dad, he wound up working in a company in Euclid, Ohio for, um, he worked for the same company, can you believe this, for over 50 years. I mean, it just, people just don't do that. People now, they change jobs like they change underwear, you know what I'm saying? And, and, but he stayed in the same place. He started out working, sweeping the floors in what was called the drafting room in some of those areas there. And, and he wound up going to night school at Fenn State, which later became Cleveland State University. And so he went for his mechanical engineering degree and the place that he once swept floors, guess what? Give my dad a little honor today. Next thing you know, he oversaw that department again and he worked there for 50 years. Yeah, let's praise God, I mean, because as I share these stories today, it's about perseverance. And I think maybe you would agree with me as we read this in Joseph and that life, it, it isn't always fair, but, but God is always good. Second good news, bad news principle is this. God's hand can't always be seen, but God's heart can always be trusted. I love that truth. It originates from the pen of Charles Spurgeon that what? That we can't always see God at work. He, but that doesn't mean that he's not at work behind the scenes. And in his heart, what we believe about God and when we truly know him, his heart, it can always be trusted. Let me rise, summarize uh, chapter 39, the rest of it, in one sentence because Joseph is in jail. Yes, he's being treated good by the keeper of the jail as he's blooming where he's planted, but then what happens next is kinda interesting. Joseph refuses to give in to the sexual advances of Potiphar's wife, but she lies and yells rape, which lands Joseph in jail. So here we see a situation where what? Where 
oftentimes doing the right thing, which is how Joseph responded, not by taking these advances from this woman, actually landed them in the wrong place. Can that happen? Yeah, it can. Just ask Arnold Abbott. Arnold Abbott is a person who he's was ministering to the homeless in Fort Lauderdale. He's a 90-year-old man, and he was handing out food to the homeless. Guess what happened? The authorities, the police, they arrested him, and they threw him in jail. He had to pay a fine to get out because the local ordinance said that they had just put it in place that within this community, it's 500 years, 500, excuse me, yards from this residential area, and you can't feed people, feed the homeless that close to a residential area. So they put him in jail. Second story is this. Let me show you this guy, Thomas Lopez. We're knocking on Florida right now. He was in Florida too, near Fort Lauderdale, and was actually in Hollywood Beach. He was a lifeguard there. And what he did was quite remarkable. And this illustrates that sometimes you do the right thing, and not everybody thinks it's the best thing. And so he literally saved someone from drowning in the ocean. The problem was that it was in a restricted area where the person swimming shouldn't have been. So everyone around him was praising him for pulling him out of the water, but then they fired him. They fired him for saving a person in an unrestricted area. You say, it cannot be. I say, yes, it was. And six of the lifeguards, they did a bay watch and they ran to him and tried to help him. Nobody understood that joke. And Next thing they know is what happened to them. They got fired too. Hey, sometimes doing the right thing in our world today, isn't it true that it lands us in the wrong place and in the wrong circumstance? That was true of the life of Joseph. He did the right thing, and in God's eyes, yes, it paid off, but not always in the people around him. But isn't there any good news for Joseph as he gets thrown in jail for not taking the advances of this woman. Yeah, yeah, there was. And so look with me next at what it says in Genesis chapter 39. I'm going to start reading in verse 21. It says this, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisons who were in the prison. Whatever was done here, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. So here we see life circumstances can oftentimes put us in a place where it's just us and, and God. But I love that phrase. That's the fourth time we've seen it so far. The Lord was with them, and the Lord was doing some unbelievable things as a result. Hey, let's put a definition for perseverance up on the board. Perseverance is this. It's a steady persistence in a course of action, a purpose, a state, etc., especially in spite of difficulties, obstacles, or discouragement. goes on to say this. A persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. That's what we're called to be. We're called to be persistent, to persevere. Interestingly, the word in the New Testament, it comes from two Greek words, compound together. And it literally, the two words, the words you'll see, steadfastness, perseverance, even um, it, 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 sometimes it's translated patience. Those same two Greek words, it's 
simply means to remain under. And so that's what we're called to do. We're called to persevere, is to remain under the difficulty, to remain under the trial until we learn the lesson that God wants to teach. I like to think of it in terms of two words, staying power. That's what this perseverance is. It's the ability to stick it out, the ability to grind it out, the ability to continue in a situation until you learn the lesson that God desires you to learn. Hey, are you like me that you've recognized that if you cut and run too early, that God wants to teach you the same lesson? And it'll oftentimes take his time to teach you that in a different place or a different circumstance. James, the half-brother of Jesus, he knew about this well. He talked a lot about perseverance. And that's what he was getting at in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, when he said this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith, that's what a trial is. It's a test. It produces something. It produces, there it is, perseverance. Some versions say steadfastness or patience. Uh, this endurance, let perseverance or endurance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So what is James telling us? He's saying this, that God's objective in the midst of the trial is to teach you how to persevere, how to remain under, how to stick it out. And that's what grows us into spiritual maturity. That's what James is teaching us here. So again, Joseph's life, it was a model of this persistence that, that he was learning the lessons that God wanted him to learn. I don't know where you find yourself today and what situation that you're in, but if we want to grow in Christian character and conduct, it requires, as James says, that, that perseverance, that we would stick it out, that we would keep going. Now, I'm not saying that it's never okay for you to not finish something or quit something that you started. How many of us had dads like that where they got on the ball team or you did this and they weren't, you were finishing your commitment. I'm telling you, that was for sure. I was, grew up in a home like that as well. But sometimes it's important for us to only move on after we've learned the lesson that God wants to teach us. And it's a matter of character and that he wants to build our character. Well, I want to introduce you to my dad's dad. His name, we have a picture of him here, Stefano Giuseppe Zappia. That's a name, is it not? So Stefano Giuseppe, you say Zappia or Zappia, which is it? Well, this will give you a little window into my character, which isn't good. This is before Christ. If a teacher said, Ron Zappia, I would raise my hand and say, no, it's Zappia. If she said Zappia, if she said Zappia, I would say Zappia. So I said that was BC days, did I not? So I must have got it from this character, Stefano. But he came to the United States when he was 22 years old. And what's interesting is he came with his brother and Legend, Zappia legend at least says this, that he wound up going one way and his brother went another way and they never talked again. It's quite interesting. And so he ended up in Pennsylvania. And so he went to Pennsylvania um, to be a coal miner. And so he worked in a coal mine and that's how he made his living as many immigrants when they came to this country, that's what they did as they, you know, they got involved in that. And, and, and what wound up happening is this is where the story kind of takes a turn and 
I'm not sure about all the details here, but he wound up meeting this girl and she was in an orphanage and he rescued her from the orphanage. And the way he rescued her is they both ran away and they got married and they lied about their age. So I'm not sure if that was good or not, but that's what wound up happening. She would become my grandmother. And so they, he wound up buying a store and he was a butcher and a grocery store in the area there. He must have been an entrepreneur. And what wound up happening was, was interesting is that there was a strike at the coal mine. And so basically the coal miners couldn't pay their bills and so the store went under. And so he lost the store, he lost all, everything really. And he migrated up to Cleveland, Ohio. And he had, as I said before, my dad had eight brothers and sisters so there was nine total. And he found himself up in Cleveland where he did a variety of different things, returned to the butcher and grocery store and cut lawns and did whatever he had to do, as many people do, to support their families and to give them a better place and to give them a better life. Interestingly, I read this fact about him this week as my cousin put together a whole family history and a family tree. And interestingly, he, um, he became a US citizen, which is a great thing, but do you know that he actually died before he received the paperwork that he was a U.S. citizen. <laughs> so yeah, isn't that terrible? So I'm just telling you, this whole immigration thing, there's been a problem for a long, long time, I'm telling you that. But I love what C.S. Lewis says in the face of perseverance. He says this, God knows our situation, isn't that true? He will not judge us as if we had no difficulties to overcome. What matters is the sincerity and perseverance of our will to overcome them. That's persistence. That's staying power. That's what we're celebrating even this month. Juneteenth is what? The persistence and the staying power and the resilience that in the spite of bad news, in the spite of difficulties, in the spite of trials that aren't fair and unlikely and not right, that we can persevere that our God is with us, and he never forsakes us. Third principle, good news, bad news. When we're talking about sticking it out, when we're talking about taking that next step, when we're talking about keeping going, that staying power that we need is this. Life's delays, they don't always equate to God's denials. I think sometimes in our minds that we think that if it's a delay, it's a denial that God must not be into it because we want everything fast, we want everything now. And oftentimes we see things take time. Institutions take time to change and people take time to change. Life's delays don't mean that God is denying. That's what we see as we return back in the story of Joseph. I'm gonna tell you about chapter 40 and we'll get into chapter 41. Joseph is in jail. And again, we're moving through a lot of pages of scripture today. But who joins him? But Pharaoh's cupbearer and the baker. Now the cupbearer join him and the baker because they must have done some things wrong. They get thrown into prison. They have some dreams. And for those who know the story, Joseph can interpret these dreams. And so he interprets both of these dreams correctly. He says to the cupbearer, he says, well, Pharaoh is going to restore you back to your original position of honor. And it happened. And then he said to the baker, which wasn't good news to him, he said, Pharaoh is not going to restore you to your position. You will be killed by Pharaoh. And he was. 
And so Joseph said to both of these men as they were exited out of prison, he said, man, remember me. Don't forget me. Can you put a good word in for me? And, and guess what? The truth is they did forget him. They didn't put a good word in for him until Pharaoh had a dream that he couldn't interpret. And it had to do with the economic situation and what was happening. And, and so what did they do? The, this individual, the cupbearer, he remembered that there was this guy in prison, this Joseph, and he could interpret these dreams. And, and so look with me at chapter 41. I'm going to read it, verses 14 and 15. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he'd shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. They wanted to get him all cleaned up first. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. Then he goes on to say, I have heard it said of that, that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And Joseph answered, and look what Joseph does. He says, it is not in me. He's given the credit to God. He says, God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. And as we read, and again, I don't have time to go through all of it, but that's exactly what happens, is he gives Pharaoh the answer. And Pharaoh is so pleased. At the end of chapter 1, we see Joseph rises to power. Let's take a look at these verses that you can see what I'm talking about. In verse 38, it says, Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of the Lord? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, he recognized that it was God. He said, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. And only in regards to the throne, my throne, will there be anything greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took the signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. So again, we see the phrase in our minds, the backswing thought, bloom where you're planted. That's certainly what Joseph did. And he was learning that life's delays don't always equal God's denials. I'm sure he was calling out to God in those two years that he was there. They forgot me. What's happening? And God was at work behind the scenes. And I wonder, and in my mind, as I look at a crowd and as I talk to those who are watching us online, man, it's oftentimes when things aren't going right or there's a delay, we, we don't think God's in it. And God's at work behind the scenes. And it's not often until after that we can see his hand and how he moved. And that's what we see happening here in Genesis with the life and the story of Joseph. So what can we do? Well, here's a simple thought to take as you think about this in your own prayer life. Look with me at this statement. When the request is wrong, God says no. When the timing is wrong, God says slow. When you are wrong, God says grow. But when the request, the timing, and you are right, God says go. That's his desire. That's what he wants to see happen, is that we would learn the lesson that he desires us to learn. I've been talking about my mom and dad today, and I know for some it might be hard to hear as you're sitting here, and maybe you're mustering up as much perseverance as you could just to get through a message on Father's Day talking about your dad because he wasn't there for you. He's never been. And if that's you, my heart is there for you because 
I think about what could have happened in my own life if it would have turned in this direction. I'm so thankful that Jim and Helen Zappia, yes, they couldn't have kids, and they decided to adopt, like many in our church family have decided here. It was interesting that it wasn't until later that Jody and I got the story that my parents actually tried to adopt my, his sister's baby, and there was a tragic events that happened. And what wound up happening was my, um, my dad's sister had a child. Her husband left her, if you can believe this, while in the army for another man all the way back then, yes. And then she committed suicide. I mean, the story is tragic. Like, I lived my whole adult life, and, like, I didn't know any of this. And, like, we're sitting down at this, like, I don't know, having dinner with my cousin, and I'm like, oh, that's what happened? I didn't know anything about that. And, and it, it's just interesting that we see that these issues and these family problems, and as we see here and as you've experienced in your own life, I mean, I, I never knew that was what happened. So if you can imagine, my parents, they wanted to adopt this baby that didn't have a family that was his older sister's child. And, and what wound up happening is my dad was a responsible one and, and his younger brother actually wound up taking the child and, and we, I, we never heard from him again. I mean, family can be difficult, can it not? The pain, the difficulty, the unresolved situations. Uh, I mean, we read about in Scripture. That's why I love the Bible. I mean, the Bible does not hide the fact that, man, Joseph got treated pretty bad. And, but God was with him. And I'm so grateful that Jim and Helen Zappia decided to adopt not only my brother, but my sister. And they thought they were done once they had the boy and they had the girl. But, but there was a call, and I've told this story before, but it begs repeating that my mom got a call from the Catholic Charities, and they said, we're having trouble placing this three-month Italian baby. And then she said, okay, let me call my husband and we'll be down right to see you. Well, my mom called my dad, he was at work and they met at the adoption agency later that day, if you can believe that. Next thing you know, the nun brings me out, three months old. <laughs> and then she asked my dad, which is a teary-eyed story for me. She said, is there anything you need to talk about? Any question that you have? And, my dad looked at my mom, and he looked at her, and he said to the nun, he said, the only thing we got to answer is this. Who's going to hold our son first? And so they adopted three children. And I'm so thankful for the commitment that they had and the parents that they become. And on this Father's Day, as you sit here and, and think about your own dad and the perseverance that he displayed or maybe he didn't display, that we could honor the fathers that as we look in the pages of scripture, as Joseph did what? He looked to his heavenly father to help him to persevere. And so that's what we do. And lastly, if I can sum everything up with this, God uses bad circumstances to accomplish good results. That's the good and the bad. I mean, we see it throughout scripture. You see it in the pages of your own family history. There's good, there's bad, but God's at work. And he uses bad circumstances that we wouldn't want, bad circumstances that we wouldn't desire, injustices and unfairness. And believe me, my heart goes out as people are not treated fairly. 
And you wonder, God, are you doing anything? And God is at work, and he uses bad things to accomplish good results. That's what we see in the pages of this story. Let me summarize eight chapters and get us to chapter 50 as we make a run through Genesis 37 through 50, which is the wonderful story of Joseph's life. And what happens next, it's pretty remarkable that Joseph wants to gather everybody together for the big reveal. But remember, there's this famine in Egypt. And so here's a change that he didn't anticipate. He's in charge. He's in control. He gives the food. He makes all the decisions. Next thing you know, his brothers are standing in front of him because they came to Egypt to buy food. and They came to buy grain. And Joseph's the one that can give it to him. And as the story says, they, they don't recognize him. It's been so many years. And so he starts messing with them a bit. I can't get into all those details, but what he does is he holds one of the brothers hostage, makes him go back and get the other brother. And he even put a silver cup in their bag to, to test them to see if they would give it back. I mean, he was full of all kinds of tricks. But, but in the end, when the great reveal came and all the brothers were there, including the dad, I'm imagining a tear must have came to his eye because that's what he wanted to see. And as he forgave his brothers for what they did, he came to the conclusion in a verse of scripture that is probably one of the most meaningful end caps, not only to the story of Joseph's life, but the story of this life, the story of our world, the story that God is writing, is he says this in chapter 50, verse 20. But Joseph said to them, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. God raised Joseph up in a position of power. And Joseph just said this, hey, what you meant for evil, God used it for good. And that's the story of the cross, that what they meant for evil, that they would put a man on a cross, that that he would die a death that he didn't deserve, that, that he would suffer and, and rise again. What they meant for evil, God meant for good, is that is what enabled us to be forgiven and to have a new life and to move forward by faith. That is the message and story of the gospel. And we can see it right here in Joseph's life. Well, let me close, lastly, with one last story of my own family. And so my mom unfortunately got diagnosed with cancer and Jody and I had been sharing our faith with them. Uh, you know, I didn't come from a Christian home and my dad had just had a, man, he two years prior had, he nearly died himself and I was at a hospital praying him back that he wouldn't be taken and gone from this life without accepting Christ. And, it was through my mom's cancer, she struggled with it for two years, that God used that for them both to respond to Jesus by faith. So he used that trial, that bad situation, that circumstance to show them their need for a savior, that showed them their need for Christ. And I had the privilege of being able to share um, the gospel with my mom and my dad and talk about the truth that Jesus came to save them and that all they needed to do was embrace that for themselves. And, and he used a bad circumstance to produce something good. 
You know, oftentimes I've heard it said that life circumstance, life circumstances, they ripen us to the gospel, that our heart would be open to receive. And, and that's certainly what we saw happening in my family with my parents. In a moment, you're going to see a story, which is a great story of a woman in our church and a father, her dad, who also goes to our church. And she actually um, used to come here to the Naperville campus many years ago and then moved to Bolingbrook. She's part of our uh, Romeoville campus uh, now. And it's an amazing story of perseverance, not only for her, but for him, as you'll see some amazing things and hear about what his life has been like as he celebrated just recently his 100th birthday. You heard me right. He's 100 years old. And so as you watch this video and see where life took him, take a minute to consider where God has you and the perseverance that he desires for you to continue on in. Take a look at the screen with me. My name is Susan Lasota. My dad, he was the best dad. He was my hero. So my dad was raised in a very strong family unit great parents as well. He was born and raised in Poland, and at 18, he was taken prisoner into a concentration camp. He spent three and a half very hard years there. He was malnutritioned, went through a lot. He said God is the one who protected him and saved him through all of that. So growing up, my dad was pretty strict with religion and following rules. I remember wondering when I got older if there really was a God. A friend from high school, their parents, had asked me this question one day, have you ever been saved? Little by little, they started sharing more about what the Bible said. And it was when they left me alone sitting in their kitchen is when I gave up and I surrendered. And I said, Lord, if you're really there, then here I am. And so shortly after that, I got baptized and I knew something was different. When my dad was in his 80s, my daughter was staying with him in his house. One night, both of them couldn't sleep and they were both up about two in the morning. And my daughter had asked him about being saved and about having a relationship with Jesus. And it was that night, my dad, asked Jesus to forgive him for his sins, and he received him as his savior. The plan was that he was gonna go live in a senior community home. That's when I realized my dad's made a lot of sacrifices for me. Now it's my turn. And so I quit my job, and I became my father's full-time caregiver. We have done so many amazing things together. Uh, we've gone kayaking, we've gone dancing, we've gone on road trips together. I actually make the least amount of money I've ever made, and I've never felt more rich. <laughs> I've noticed this transformation in him, and he understands now it's more about what Jesus did on the cross. So a few weeks ago, here in church, at 100 years of age, my dad got baptized and publicly professed his faith in Christ. The last four years, 
I have now understood a little bit more about laying down your life for someone that you really love. And Jesus did that for us. He laid down his life for us so we could have freedom, so we could have a hope and a future.